Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. It has been a long time since we've been able to actually be live in the studio and together. Um, I've been gone on vacation and Josh has been gone on vacation. Unfortunately, um, we are not even all together this morning. Phil is unable to be with us this morning, but Josh and Jonathan, how are you doing this morning? And It's a beautiful day and we're doing fine. Yeah, most excellent. Good to be here. I, I feel like I've been out of the saddle for like weeks now. So We've been texting we, each other, you know, it's like, and and knowing that somebody's on vacation, you don't want to put a burden on them to answer back. But, you know, this has been going on all summer. We've been trying to stay connected. Yeah. So what we're asking for is just a little bit of grace as you listen this morning. So if we're off kilter and not quite flowing smoothly, just chalk it up to a little bit of rust. That's right. Um, the next couple of days, we're going to spend Did some you time. say a little bit of rust? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be the same. Um, we're going to look at some principles of worship. And part of the reason why is that it's anticipation of the upcoming Reformation Boise Conference on September 17th and 18th. Yes. Valley Shepherd Church. We are within a month of the conference. So I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around that because I am a creature of habit. So in my mind, it's still coming in November, yeah. um, but we have to shift gears a little bit and remember it is September 17th and 18th. And do you guys want to just briefly talk about the, the theme and our speakers? Well, our theme is Be Thou My Vision, which is pointing us back to worship. And what is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And the idea of, of glorifying God is to be bringing worship to Him. Well, now... Our speakers are Dr. Robert Godfrey, who is chairman of Ligonier Ministries. Uh, came into that position after the late R.C. Sproul passed away, and uh, he was also president of Westminster Seminary. So we're looking forward to, to having him as one of our speakers. We're also looking forward to Dr. Terry Johnson, who is a pastor at Independent Presbyterian Church in Savannah, Georgia. One of the oldest churches in the States, I think it dates back to the early 1700s, been in existence that long, and uh, he's its most recent pastor. Yeah, uh, The church dates back to the 1700s. Terry Johnson does no, not. That's, no, that's what I said. He's <laughs> yeah, the most yeah, recent yeah. pastor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. You know, Phil and I are that old. <laughs> well, you're Cherry, admitting it's the, the first step, brother. Um, go, so go to ReformationBoise.com because there are all the details for registration. And by the way, there is, a, you know, there is an incentive to registering. We're going to put a gift certificate inside your registration bag that you can use for the book table. And so, yeah, of course, you can, you can show up without registering, but um, that's a benefit. If you, if you want you know, free stuff, <laughs> reformationboise.com, register there. So this morning we're going to look at the nature and content of worship. Naturally, this is not an exhaustive study 
on the topic of worship, but hopefully um, this brief overview will cause us all to pause and think about some of the things that we might not have or might not frequently give a lot of thought to, um, which is the worship of God. Um, if you're like me, we, we do some things without really thinking about them. Uh, maybe you've gone to church all your life and you haven't actively thought about, well, what am I doing there? What's, what's happening in this act of worship? In John chapter 4, Jesus makes a profound comment about worship. So this is John chapter 4. It says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So what's the context of this statement? Well, this comes when um, Jesus encounters the immoral Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, as he's communicating with her, um, he uncovers her hidden sin, her shame. And as a result of that, she begins to ask him about worship. And she's a Samaritan woman. And uh, one of the things that uh, historically uh, the Samaritans were some of those, they represented those who were not taken into exile, uh, you know. So they're, you know, the northern part of Israel. They Samaritans. They and so there was a, there. There's almost a second class citizenship created amongst those who had come back from the exile and those that hadn't, who syncretized with the oppressors. And so, but they they had a place of worship and they worshipped uh, in a particular place. Uh, the remainder of the people that came back, the centrality place of worship was Jerusalem. And so she's, uh, she's asking about where to worship, and that's the, that's the context. And she's really shifting a little bit. She's actually shifting from her, her sin and shame to saying, uh, you know, let me, she's throwing out another question, which often happens when you're actually discussing with somebody. They, they bring up objections, mm-hmm. and this is what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So then what is Jesus saying about the nature of worship? He kind of makes three statements, um, and it very much parallels actually the first three commandments in Scripture. So first commandment is no other God, so you worship God exclusively, and Jesus talks about the Father being worshipped. And the second commandment is um, the truth of worship, that, that worship should not be done with, with false images, but it needs to be done in accordance with God's nature. And, and so that's the whole statement of the Father is seeking worshipers who worship Him in spirit and truth. And then the third commandment is, you know, worshiping God sincerely, not in vain, not taking His name in vain. So interestingly enough, Jesus actually kind of parallels the, the three commandments here. And, and that's, that's really the nature of worship. It's, he, he, he approaches it on a principle level before He even gets to anything else. And I think for our modern listeners, I think that's the difficulty. When people hear worship, what do they hear? They hear, oh, well, that's the, that's the guitars and that's the drums and that's the singing part of church, right? Well, Jesus is going way deeper than that. He's fact, hitting on he a does, root he level. He does say, you worship what you do not know. Mm-hmm. You know you, you, you're engaged in worship, worship, but you don't even know. You, there's a certain uh, lack of knowledge on their part. And then he, 
he brings them back around, uh, and he and he's saying, you know, the Father is looking for those that worship in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's something true about worship that you know that's different from the lack of knowledge that they were bringing to it. Mm-hmm. So let's start with that first part of Jesus's response. What does it mean to worship in spirit? Well, I think uh, you know part part of it is uh, you know. To worship in spirit has implications for every aspect of biblical worship. There's something that, you know, I think uh, years ago, A.W. Tozer wrote a, a, a booklet, or he had three sermons on um, worship as the missing jewel of the church. There is this, and he was trying to say that there is something about uh, a heart affection and an emotion that has to be in worship. We're worshiping a majestic, almighty God. And we come before him with a certain awe and reverence. And that's coming to him in that spirit part of it. You know, we're not talking about, um, you know, there's a, it's in one sense, there's there's a mystery to it. I mean, because this is, this affection has to actually uh, be part of uh, God's work in us before it can be outworked in our response to him. Mm -hmm. So I've interacted with several people that would would suggest that the idea that you worship in spirit, um, they interpret that to mean that it is an emotional experience or that it is about spontaneity. Yeah. So what, what, and I would suggest that there's something amiss in that answer. So what, how would you counter um, that idea that spirit in this particular passage is just dealing with emotional or spontaneity. Well, part of the accusation that God had against the Jews in their worship was that they were bringing their sacrifices into the temple and their hearts were far from God. So this is Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. You know, these people worships me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so there was a incongruity between their yeah. external motions of their body, namely bringing bulls into yeah. his courts, and their internal being, f- internal person being far from God. So I, I think it has less to do with emotions per se. Emotions will be a fruit. No, that's, yeah. And, and I, well, I, I do think that you're actually hitting on the fact that there is an emotional element to worship because they were coming like you said, uh, just going through the motions, they are saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. We're in the right place. We're doing, you know, we're we're doing the right things. You can do all the right things and still worship wrong. Yeah. Um. But you you can't worship wrong and worship right. right. And that this is the problem of worshiping what you don't understand. Mm-hmm. But you can do the right things and still worship wrong. There's. A, there is a an emotional uh, connection between this awe and reverence that we come to the Lord in worship with, and that's I think, you know, I don't want to discount the emotional. I, I, you, you talked to, you mentioned two things, the emotions, and the other one was the spontaneity. I don't think that I think this is actually is addressing some of our emotions, but it's not addressing spontaneity in worship. So we have the second half of Jesus's comment, spirit and in truth. And you guys have kind of alluded to this at times, but can you talk directly to, well, what, what is Jesus referring to about worship in truth? According to his word. I mean, that's the simplest way to say it, that God has prescribed a particular way in which um, he has revealed himself. And so as a spirit, he's not to be worshiped in carnal 
in a carnal worldly fashion. So just one example, Nadab and Abihu, they decided that they were going to worship God according to their own imagination, according to their own ideas. And so they burned some incense that wasn't part of the prescribed worship. And of course, God, you know, punished them on the spot with their lives because they presumed to know more than, than God. If God has revealed himself in his word to be a certain type of being, and he has said, you shall worship me according to this revealed word, then who are we to come back and say, no, I think I, think I have a better way to worship you than what you have said. Uh, historically, this is called the regulative principle of worship. Do you want to just briefly talk about that? Well, yes, it simply means worshiping according to the word of God. And there's places that uh, you see that that worship defined um you know there's in fact in the book of nehemiah there's a number of uh, different um aspects of worship that we we find from the book of nehemiah but you know this the idea of worship according to the word of god it doesn't mean that we have necessarily prescribed commands which we do have some but also those things which can be discerned from god's word and so when we're worshiping in, in truth, we're, we're worshiping in the truth of who Christ is and his person, his work. He's, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, we worship uh, him according to the, uh, the nature of Scripture and what it's commanded us to do. And, and some of those things, are, you know, it's, it's prayer, it's song, it's, it's making vows before the Lord. Those things are what we call elements to worship. And we will come back to some other topics on worship tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 